Hello and welcome to the TES FE podcast. My name's Kate Parker and I'm joined by Julie Balgatai. Hello. And this week we have with us the Chair of the Education Select Committee, former Skills Minister and MP for Harlow, Robert Halpin. Uh, hello. Hello, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's lovely to be here, especially when the sun is shining at last. Yes. You, you wouldn't think it was July. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. And so we'll start off with a friendship, so she was such a champion, we know, of, of the system. And um, the Chancellor's statement was, um, it feels like ages ago now, but a couple of weeks ago. And to be able to, you know, did you think that the incentives that he announced for apprenticeships, do they go far enough to really encourage businesses to take on apprentices going forward? Well, I think the first thing is, which is encouraging, is that both the Prime Minister and the Chancellor are actually talking about apprenticeships because you doesn't matter what the policy is unless uh, the top in government the top people in government are evangelizing about it we won't uh, succeed and the fact that Boris Johnson has mentioned an apprenticeship guarantee something I've been campaigning for for years uh, I was very excited about very excited about and the fact that also that the Chancellor talked about it in his speech on recovery uh, in Parliament that was very good news uh, very good news um, of course, now we need to have the detail, and, and as, as always, I'd like them to do more, but it's a very important step in terms of providing a subsidy for companies um, to hire apprentices, particularly younger apprentices. Uh, I'd like to see them do more. I want reform of the levy. I think the levy needs to be turned into an instrument where uh, if you hire a young person, 16 to 21 or um, then you would use more of your levy if you hire a young person from a disadvantaged background you would use more of your levy um, I'd like to make it easier for uh, the levy and degree apprenticeships so to increase because the, the full amount I think is around 27,000 so that should be higher so that more companies would be encouraged to do degree apprenticeships sweep away the cobwebs of bureaucracy and I'd also like to see some passion from the government and from particularly Michael Gove in the cabinet office to transform public sector recruitment of apprentices, something I asked about in Parliament uh, only a week or so ago. You're quite worried about what the public sector is doing on apprenticeships and the fact that there isn't great progress being made on, on recruitment, aren't you? It's something you've mentioned quite a bit recently. Well, I tabled questions to every government department, written, what's called written questions in Parliament, where you get a written answer as opposed to an oral answer about how many apprentices were they meeting the target. And I, if you look at the replies, apart from one or two departments, most of them are Sir Humphrey answers personified. And uh, really by uh, going out of their way, you know, very few of them actually talked about meeting the target of 2.3%, which is a relatively low target in my view. And I think the government should not only ensure that we meet the 2.3% target, but actually we should have a, a target of at least at least five uh, percent i think there should be very strict criteria um, from the cabinet office to make sure that um, departments are meeting these targets um, i also um, think that every new recruit to the public sector uh, where possible and i think in most cases it would be possible but it should be first thing should be uh, we will offer you an apprenticeship every new recruit why does it matter that the public sector is sort of at the forefront of that well, because we're never going to build an apprenticeship and skills nation unless 
uh, the public sector are leading by example, Parliament, the public sector. I keep asking the Speaker how many apprentices Parliament is employing as well. I've employed them in my own office, so I practice what I preach. I've had six. I was the first ever MP to even think of doing it and to employ it. I, 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 it's the, in fact, the latest one's just finished his apprenticeship. Very proud of him, called Dan Swords. He's got a level three. And he's the first one to be employed in my office. So he's going to become the communications officer in my office. And one of the others has actually become a senior facilities manager in the House of Lords. So very proud of very proud of what he's achieved. He's on the civil service, but he went to the civil service side of Parliament. Um, so we've got to do it, we've got to lead by example, but also because there are thousands and thousands of opportunities in the public sector. The NHS is, I think, the biggest public sector employer. Uh, one department that is brilliant at employing apprentices is the MOD, interestingly, Ministry of Defence. They have a very good record and um, that that should be across the board. And then I think also we need to think out of the box. So we have at the moment, you know, there's lots of controversy about overseas aid money whether or not we should spend 0.7% uh, of GDP. My view is if we are to spend it, that money, we should spend it both on helping uh, the developing world, but also um, um, helping our young people as well. So at the moment, there's something called the International Citizenship Service, which sends people overseas. Why on earth don't we turn that into an international apprenticeship service, use our aid money, to create a new army of overseas aid apprentices that would get an overseas aid development standard. They could work in charities overseas, businesses overseas, construction companies overseas doing uh, in developing countries. So they develop, help the developing countries, but also develop their own skills and also uh, do apprenticeships. So their lives are transformed when they, when they come back. So we, well, I just want some real imagination and bold vision, even if my idea isn't the right one, we just need some new ideas to, to get people excited about the possibility and the, what apprenticeships actually do. What's the response from government when you, when you raise these ideas? Um, well, um, I raised the apprenticeship overseas with Penny Mordant and they did try and introduce it at a very, very, very modest uh, level. And one thing I've learned in politics is you have to be like a crazy person on a bus just repeating yourself repeating yourself you know on the top deck with a i don't have a, a dirty plastic bag because i'm very environmentally conscious thank goodness but um you've got to just campaigning means repeating 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 and making a nuisance of yourself so you have to be relentless and sometimes things take a long long time to achieve but who would have thought you know uh that the prime minister would even be saying that any prime minister would say the words apprenticeship guarantee you know, of course, the meat has got to be put on the boat, but uh, it's an amazing step forward. And we and should recognise that work. Sorry, how important is it that, um, you know, when we're talking about these apprenticeship opportunities, that we make sure that everybody has access to them? I'm sure you will have seen the Social Mobility Commission report from, I think it was a month or six weeks ago, that was saying that disadvantaged um, people, you know, they just don't have that, that access to apprenticeships that their wealthier peers do. And when they're even in an apprenticeship, the quality of their training is not equal to that of the wealthier, of their wealthier peers. You know, how important is it that we address that? And we... One of the reasons why I um, am so passionate about apprenticeships was my first ever speech uh, in 2010, my maiden speech as MP, was because in two, it was either 2008, 2009, 
I went to a uh, very uh, sort of concrete building in my constituency. I wasn't even MP then to meet some young people that were being supported by Catch-22. And I sat in this room having not known a lot. I knew about apprentices, but I didn't know it in detail. And these young kids with kind of very disadvantaged backgrounds were saying to me how they wanted to do an apprenticeship. It was incredibly hard. They, didn't, they needed the training. They needed support on the CV. Then they look on the website, which was unnavigable. Well, that's not a very, I haven't pronounced that right, but you, I think you know what I mean. Yeah. And... Um, they were offered if they could get on it someone would offer an, a Harlow kid go to Leeds for an interview who's going to do that especially the cost and everything so and I genuinely walked out of that building and this is the God's honest truth it was a very special moment for me thinking my God this is the answer to everything that we need to have apprenticeships and if I go into Parliament I get elected in 2010 I will make it my thing and so I, that's one of the, mo the most important reasons why I believe in apprenticeships is because it has to provide a ladder of opportunity to the disadvantage. And it can do because I've seen it all over the country. And so we need to do a lot more. And that's why I would, um, I would uh, transform the levy, as I said, to make sure uh, that, that um, these um, uh, would-be apprentices are, uh, businesses are encouraged to hire apprentices. I would also... Um, give more incentives to businesses outside the levy so perhaps you'd have a wage subsidy which has been which i've talked about and others have talked about especially if they hire let's say you had a wage subsidy for the first year so um if somebody hires an apprenticeship from a disadvantaged background and uh, i think the way to do it is through incentive and education and evangelization of it so the companies need the incentive financial incentive but they also need to be, you need to share best practice. You need to show people where it works. And as I say, uh, I'm a huge believer in language and communication in, in public affairs. And, and the politicians at the top should be talking about it every day. And you've spoken before as well, haven't you, about the importance of um, uh, school children being, being educated and knowing that the apprenticeship opportunities are even there. So how important do you think, you know, do you think that um, schools should be, you've said before, don't you, that you think schools should be measured on, on how much they... Um, oh, yeah. So, so this, this has to change. So um, it always amazes me when I go around the country and I ask every apprentice, every apprentice I ever meet, I say, were you taught about this in school? Were you shown, talked about, did anyone talk to you about FE? Did anyone talk to you about uh, apprenticeships? I would say literally nine times out of ten, they say no and not only that I've met apprentices who are doing degree apprentices from disadvantaged backgrounds I will never forget it. it was in Gateshead College they took me to meet some degree apprentices that's a great college and uh, they said they weren't even allowed to go to their own school the school said no when they offered to go to their school and talk to them about apprenticeships it, it, this was in front of the then principal who has retired uh, but she, she was an amazing lady and uh, uh, this is the problem. One of the last things I did as a minister, it was just before the, the sort of surprise 2017 election, and there was a thing in Parliament called a wash-up. So I had worked about for nine months, literally, on a bill creating the Institute for Technical, Friendship and Technical Education, and FE insolvency. And it looked like the whole thing was going to go down the pan, nine months' work or whatever. And then luckily, the last few days before Parliament was dissolved, we managed to get it through the Lords and the final amendments in the House of Commons. One of those was called the Baker Clause. 
Indeed. And the bagel, uh, the, the, for those who know, uh, will know the bagel clause, basically the bagel clause said that schools have to encourage and teach and uh, get uh, about apprenticeships and invite FE and UTCs and apprentices into the school. Uh, sadly, this has not ha worked out in practice because too many schools don't do it. I think part of the reason is that all teachers are graduates. So they have this kind of thing, university, university, university. Part of it is the culture that it was always go to university from the Blair years, university, 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 and they're measured on. Um, uh, um, and then when you go to, when I go to schools and I see pictures of, they have proud pictures of their kids who got into university, I'm very happy, but why on earth don't they have pictures of their kids who've done apprenticeships? And so the whole culture needs to be changed. And again, that's about evangelization, but there has to be carrot and stick. And um, Ofsted have to be much, much tougher um, in terms of getting the schools to, to, uh, uh, to do this. So there should be no excuse. And the government keeps saying we're sending letters. Well, whippity-doo, uh, it doesn't make any difference. Every time I speak to a government minister, well, we've just sent a letter out to every school in the country. Um, there needs to, it's not working and there has to be a massive culture change and uh, it should be there side by side with uh, universities. By the way, everyone thinks I'm anti-universities. I went to university, I loved it, best time of my life. And if people want to go to university, absolutely. But although I'd love 50% of them to do a degree apprenticeships, but I have no, uh, I loved university, but we, we're denying. Having said that, if I'd have known about an apprenticeship, I could have worked in a organization, maybe I would have done that. I didn't even know about it um, when I, uh, uh, you know, only a, a few years ago, of course. I'm Recently, very I've already, I already told you all that I only knew about Skype at the beginning of this uh, lockdown. Um, so, uh, funny enough, my apprentice said to me, Rob, Skype is so 2005 one of my parliamentary office and so i had an education into zoom and microsoft teams and god knows what that's one of the great things of having apprentices in your business isn't it that you know they're uh, young and they know about stuff that we may have they do and, and also they're incredibly loyal every single apprentice i've had has been incredibly loyal and interestingly the surveys show that apprentices are some of the most loyal employees and even more loyal than graduates to their company that has trained them and don't just sort of go off to the next opportunity because they they they, they just feel that they've been trained they feel an integral part of that company and so going forward looking at the fe sector kind of widely what are your priorities you know as as the committee yeah. um for fe what, what are you going to be so first thing i'd say i love uh, further education colleges it's my favorite thing to do to go to a further education college and I use the Cinderella thing all the time. You may, you may know it, Julia, where people call it the Cinderella sector, particularly the former chief inspector of schools who'd said this. Um, and I always say Cinderella became a member of the royal family and we have to banish the two ugly sisters of snobbery and underfunding. And every time I go to an FE college, you come out feeling inspired and excited by what you see, because they are places of community. They're very important central community hubs, huge places of social capital. Um, there are also places where they transform the lives of disadvantaged. My college always says in Harlow, which is a wonderful college, I had to get that plug in there. It is <laughs> you know, I have visited it probably 80 times since I've been an MP. 
um, possibly more because I love it so much. But they say you, if we can get them through the door, then we can change their lives. It's the question. The hardest bit is getting them through the door, the pupils, students. So, and what is interesting with the coronavirus is that FE colleges have been pretty resilient despite facing financial difficulties. And I, we should pay tribute to the kind of ethos. Um, you know, secondly, that uh, most uh, most colleges that I have spoken to, they seem to have done pretty much serious online learning for the pupils. And this hasn't happened in the schools. Of course, there are many more schools. I get it. There have been problems. But, but nevertheless, most FE colleges have done serious online learning with their students. And I think we should pay tribute to that because they have carried on during the coronavirus. There will be financial problems on the way. The biggest thing, of course, is going to be the white paper out later in the year. And um, we will look at that as a committee. Uh, we, um, we will probably have round tables both before and afterwards speaking to the FE sector. Um, we, I, I was so excited by the Secretary of State's speech because, uh, as, as I said, someone, you know, people say, oh, where is the meat? There always has to be meat on the bone, but also a lot of things happen by evangelization and change. And when he made that speech about the importance of further education, and with a nod to Julia about German uh, technical education as well, um, uh, and also saying that actually, you know, this university target is kind of like a false god. Uh, it was, it was, it was a brilliant moment, and the FE sector should recognise that. Uh, we need to sort out the funding issue. They have been left behind over the past since 2010 without a doubt and the problem is in parliament particularly in the house of lords it's filled with university people who are brilliant at lobbying and the establishment is full of university people and i actually think that it's no accident that the two most pro-efe secretaries of state in recent times gavin williamson went to an fe college sajid javid although he's no longer there very pro-efe wanted extra funding for efe in fact he stopped cuts in previous years even bigger cuts, um, he went to an FE college. And I think that is the, uh, the, the dramatic difference is that these ministers, they know about FE, um, they understand it, they support it. And so we now need, and I think that uh, potentially the white paper could be exciting. I think hopefully it will make FE, further education, further education college the centre um, of a learning um, that it will have um, more if it, as much prestige as universities if not more and that it will, they will be recognized and I hope that you know the I'd like the Institute of Technology to make sure that they are part of the FE college rather than separate standalone because what we did since 2010 we, we created national colleges well I don't know if they're still not seen as national colleges I think they're brilliant colleges for their local area mm -hmm. and I opened one of them in East London, the computer, um, uh, uh, the Lovelace uh, uh, College, I forget. And um, uh, the, but my feeling at the time was it's brilliant, but it will be fantastic for the people in that part of London. And I'm very happy it's there, but I would have rather we link these to FE College rather than create new standalone because that's the way you build up the prestige of the FE. So if we are going to have an Institute of Technology, why not have the Harlow College Institute of Technology rather than some brand new scheme, brand new college and integrate it, you know, or the Blackpool Institute of College, um, Institute of Technology, whatever it may be.
thought, are you quite optimistic then, despite everything, looking forward? Well, the meat's got to be put on the bone, and the, there'll always be the elephant in the room, which is, of course, funding. Um, and we published our report last year on funding, and I've never been afraid to say that actually, um, you know, it, none of this will work unless FE has proper funding. Um, and so we will keep that bus battle. I will push it because it's something I believe in. I just think uh, if, the, if the government really mean business, and if, if this speech, this exciting speech, such as state, it has to be backed by funding in the budget. That FE, to be fair, has had a recent announcement of monies for capital funding and a few hundred million here, here and there lobbed by the various chancellors. Um, but it's got to be much more than that. It's got to be a long-term plan for FE. The NHS, I always said the education, NHS has a long-term 10-year plan and funding settlements, long-term funding settlements. Schools, FE colleges have got to have a long-term plan so that they, uh, colleges can plan for, uh, for the future. That's great. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us today. We know you're off on, on a well-earned holiday very soon. We hope you have on a Sunday. Time. Lake District. Well, for yourself, nice get some fresh air. To see some mountains and lakes. I can't wait. I'm going to sit on the top of a mountain just looking at it for, for so long. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. And um, we look forward to, to speaking to you when you get thank back. Thank you to all at TES, uh, TFES, I should say, and TES. So <laughs> thank you for all you do. Thank you so Cheers. much, Rob. And thank Bye. you for listening as always. Thanks. Bye. Bye.